Hey everybody, welcome back to the Light and Life podcast, conversations on faith and life from downtown Colorado Springs. I'm your host, Liza Cunningham, and I'm here today with our lead pastor, Tim McConnell. And today we're talking about getting saved. You know, this is the language we use, salvation, getting saved. What does that mean? Great. Liza, it's good to be with you. We're having a lot of fun with this. And um, I think this is a great topic. You know, um, what does it mean to get saved? Because that's that's a language that we use, and um, what does that what does that language mean? So, um, when I was in uh, Oxford, I did a master's thesis. Did that sound snotty at all? I don't think so. Okay, good. Yeah, it it kind of listeners. You can envision him right now. He actually has his pinky up while right. he's drinking his when water bottle, drinking a, a cup of, of a tea of tea. <laughs> Um, no, it was really awesome. I had um, uh, a great opportunity to be at Oxford University for a year, and it was a huge blessing. Someday I'll tell you that story because I didn't expect to be able to do it. In fact, um, I was I was pastoring as a associate pastor at a church in New Jersey, and I felt like maybe the Lord was calling me to do some higher education, some more education, a PhD. And I applied to six places; they all rejected me except. Oxford said I could come and do a master's degree, um, mm. and I threw the letter away because what? I was like, there's no way I'd have money to do that. It's just not realistic. To so why did you apply? Well, my wife, Abigail. <laughs> a she, rock star. She pulled the letter, literally pulled the letter out of the trash in the kitchen trash can and said, let's go for a walk. And... Um, it was really sweet. I that mean, is so sweet. Isn't that nice? Uh-huh. And you can picture her. <gasps> I can. Like, totally. Putting the world together when it's going to pieces. And um, so she said, let's let's take a walk. And we prayed about it. And um, and it was amazing to watch. Um, like the church was losing me as an associate pastor. Mm-hmm. But they actually got behind me to say, we can see these gifts in you and we want to help send you. Wow. And then um, – Another story, you can some someday we need to talk about this because it's all about like um, being a Christian in your vocation and in your workplace. But there was a young Christian lawyer who was working for a, a trust, and the other lawyers in the group were abusing the trust. So money had been set aside by a will, and the woman who died and left that money had said, "This money has to be spent in the next five years to support." people who are going into places of Christian education for wow. ministry. But the the law firm was just keeping the money because they're making money off of the investments. And so this young Christian lawyer said, you guys have got to spend this out. And he um, was looking then for ways to spend this money out to the bottom. I wound up being the last recipient of wow. that trust. How did you? How was, did you find those people? It was exactly the amount of money that was needed to no pay the tuition. Way. It was ridiculous. That's so cool. Yeah. That's a, so cool. A, a friend a friend of a friend, you know, just mm-hmm. the kingdom of God, the, the fellowship of saints, just a friend of mine. Puzzled named, it together. Puzzled it together. A friend of mine named Simon Barnes said, wait a minute. I know of a guy who's doing this work in New York to empty a trust that's been abused. I was like, well, put me on the list. <laughs> Sign me. Where do I sign? Right. So, anyway, I wound up in Oxford, and I was doing a Master of Studies on um, Christian theology and Hellenistic philosophy, as one does. And uh, at the at the end of it, sounds so simple. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was writing um, a uh, thesis uh, comparing the idea of salvation in two ancient figures, um, Plotinus, who is a Neoplatonist philosopher, secular, non-Christian, and a guy named Origen of Alexandria. And these two guys went to school together when they were kids, and then they went totally different trajectories. Origen got saved. He became mm. a Christian, and he talked about how Jesus is his Savior. But Plotinus, was uh, he was a secular person, and he thought the word salvation was sick. Like, you, if you want to be a, a stand-up guy, if you want to be a, um, a Roman citizen, if you want to be a philosopher of renown, you don't talk about being saved because that sounds like you're helpless, like you're not even using the strength that you have to better yourself in the world. So you don't just roll over and say, oh, save me. And so it was really interesting to study and just once again sort of touch base with how offensive it can be when someone says you need to get saved. Right. Right. And a lot of times people don't know what that even means. Saved from what? Can't we just be a good person? Right. And if I'm a good person, why why do I need to get saved? Right. And I'm somebody who thinks that everybody feels the need for God on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and you tell me what you think, but I don't think that um, that people don't feel it. I think that if they're not with the Lord, if they don't have a relationship with God, I think there is. Uh, people talk about a hole inside, like a, a God-shaped hole. There's a, an unmet need. There's a sense of disease and dissatisfaction. There's a, a wondering in the back of your mind. Isn't there something more? I think there's always something there. Uh, but that's not necessarily going to help someone to say, I really need to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. It, it's kind of the search for contentment or fulfillment that they don't necessarily know that they're searching after, but they fill you know, their lives with all of these things that aren't God, um, and they don't know that they need saving. Right. <laughs> but right. It, it is so off-putting to hear like, <laughs> be saved or you need to be saved no i mean i don't think in our day and age most people would go around pointing fingers saying like you need to be saved yeah but in my experience when when having conversations around my spirituality i have had those people come up to me and and challenge me saying well christians do this and christians do that they're the ones who need to be saved. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So a Christian, we use that salvation language, get saved, you need to be saved. And, and a lot of times the world is looking at us and saying, um, I think you're the one who needs you know, to be saved because I don't see you behaving in a way that really matches what I think is good or noble or true or, or decent. And mm-hmm. uh, So where does all this language come from, right? Mm-hmm. Um that's why there's there's some people who say, you know, I think it was C.S. Lewis, um, but talked about how uh, this sort of thing is is a lot. In a way, it's a lot easier for the uh, person who's struggled with alcohol or has sort of um, 
like I go to Springs Rescue Mission and you talk to those guys and you do a, a devotional or Bible study with the people at the Springs Rescue Mission and they're not offended by the idea that they need saving. You know, they're like, uh, yeah. I bring mean, it on. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the place of real peril is people who are um, confident and pretty comfortable and kind of thinking I'm close, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if I just make a little bit more money, then this feeling will get better. Or if I just get married to that person, this feeling will make will go away and I'll feel better. Like people who just feel like they're almost there, they just need like one more leg up. They're not going to be interested in hearing from a Christian, you need to get saved. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you bring that up because I recently had a conversation with my boss that was about goal setting. Right. And I'm a hundred percent commission. So where, do, where do my goals end? Where do I get fulfillment? And I can honestly say, no matter what I achieve, I never feel that fulfillment until I yeah. go to the Lord. Yes. And, until I feel Did like, you tell your okay. supervisor that? <laughs> <laughs> you, there's a fine balance between professionalism. Like, you know, what can I yeah. slide into no, the conversation? Totally. And, totally. Not, totally. Um, and my boss is a believer, which is amazing. Oh, that's but, awesome. Um, helps. Yeah, it's just how do we actually find and and analyze when we've you know hit that point of contentment or hit that point of fulfillment? <laughs> we can't. We never will because we're always going to want more. So I was. Um, we're so off the notes, by the way, podcast listeners. <laughs> thank you for walking with us. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we have no idea what we're we doing. No by idea the way. what we're doing or where we're <laughs> headed with this, but. Um, but I was reading Proverbs in my devotionals, and there's this um, uh, proverb that um, I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to summarize it. But <laughs> it, it says um, that uh, there, there's sort of this death is a is an open mouth that is never filled, something along those lines. And and here I am butchering scripture, but um, but I never would have known. <laughs> <laughs> but the the idea being, there are certain things that just actually can never be satisfied like the grave is never satisfied Mm -hmm. but i was thinking about that and thinking you know what there there are there these categories of life that it doesn't matter how much you pour into them they will never actually say oh that's enough right and i think they are pride and lust and greed Mm -hmm. and in those three categories and you can think about those um that you just there's never this moment where where those categories say, "Oh, that's enough, really, mm-hmm. no, I couldn't possibly receive another accolade or another congratulatory statement. I couldn't uh, possibly you know receive more um, uh, physical love I couldn't uh, no I, I really couldn't possibly receive another paycheck, you know. They're just never satisfied. And so you've got to decide, like, I'm going to recognize these three ravenous wolves that are a part of my life to some degree, but I'm going to recognize they're never going to be full no matter what I do. So I'm not going to seek my contentment or my peace by trying to fill those mouths. Mm -hmm. Name your favorite deadly sin. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Mine's gluttony, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh okay, man! Well, so, I see that you 
you have some notes here on a man named John Stott. Yes. What's all that about? I tell you what, John Stott, one of the greatest thinkers of the last century, helped us understand Christianity. And and um, and uh, in one of his books, he wrote uh, about this idea of getting saved, that it is off-putting. The cross itself is offensive to us. And so here's what he wrote. What is there about the cross of Christ which angers the world and stirs them up to persecute those who preach it? Just this. Christ died on the cross for us sinners, becoming a curse for us. So the cross tells us some very unpalatable truths about ourselves, namely that we are sinners under the righteous curse of God's law, and we cannot save ourselves. Christ bore our sin and curse precisely because we could gain release from them in no other way. So his point is that just to say Jesus died for you as a sinner that's offensive, and um, but there's a reality there that we cannot save ourselves. We just can't get there on our own. We need Jesus as a Savior. Mm-hmm. We need to to get saved, and there's a humility in that, right? You have to put down the pride. You have to recognize, okay, the only way for me to get forward is not to save myself or to satisfy myself, but to be saved by Jesus Christ my Savior. Yeah, and, you know, we hate hearing that we need to be saved. We do. Our pride hurts. But we do. But we do. (laughs) And so, so, yeah, I thought you and I could just, like, um, share. Yeah, let's tell our salvation stories. When we got saved. (laughs) Liza, when did you get saved? Um, So I had always grown up knowing about Christ. I I went to Catholic school, um, K through 12. So... A lot of my my knowledge about the Lord was from an academic education-based standpoint. But I didn't necessarily have um, a personal relationship with Christ. I'd say it really developed later in college. So um, I went to—I studied abroad in Australia, um, went to a church, and—, and was invited to this college night where a person came up to me and told me that God wasn't done with me, and it really freaked me out, but planted this seed, you know, because I was used to um, just the very traditional way of the Catholic Mass and, you know, right from wrong. And um, I think I developed a really nice moral compass, you know, but I I was just told that I was saved. Mm. You know, I, I had never thought anything other than that, just because that's how I was raised. I'm saved. Congratulations. Right. You're baptized. You're, <laughs> you're, you're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> right. Um, but then in college, you know, I started questioning a lot of things. I um, was pursuing a lifestyle that is, you know, far from living in the truth. And eventually, um, I actually developed this horrible eating disorder, mm. which in turn led me to therapy that then led me to a Bible study. It was, it was Christian therapy because I didn't have to pay for it Perfect. Um, since it was through a church, but it actually led me to where I am now. And wow. I would say junior year of college is when I really accepted that Christ is chasing after me. And it's not this game of, okay, I'm never going to measure up. So why, why would I keep trying if I'm just going to keep 
being told that I'm a sinner. When in reality, there is such a personal relationship aspect that mm. I was missing all along because mm. I separated, you know, uh, good friends from fun friends. And I tried to separate communities and look like, you know, be this chameleon that fits into like, here's my Christian friends that I met through therapy, right? Yeah. And here are my fun friends that yeah. do all the fun things. And I never realized that you could have community that's both and that's for you. Yeah. Um, and I think also realizing that the Trinity in itself is community with mm. one another. So diving into community um, with other people, but also entering into community with Christ. Mm. Um, I mean, it took a really long time, but I would say it really clicked for me. Mm. Um, yeah, it when I was 19 maybe, or 20. Okay. Um, so I do ultimately feel like Christ is living within me and mm. um, has used my hardship uh to point me towards him. Does Did that you, make sense? It does. Was there a moment where it felt like if the lights went on or that like mm, mm. something is really different? Well, you mean my hair caught on fire? And, yeah. You know, a rush like of the wind. The heavens opened. And, um, uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it was, you know, some very physical feeling. I would say it was like I felt some sort of like overwhelming peace mm. and stillness mm. and just started crying mm. um, and smiling at the same time, which it, it felt kind of um, like a rush and flood of emotion. It's like mm. I just letting go yeah. of all the weight that I've been carrying of having to measure up when I don't and I never can measure up, but Christ has invited me into a life worthy of the calling that I've received, mm. Um, mm. which is to build his kingdom. Mm. And yeah, that that's not a connection that I had ever make, made because I have always lived this shame and guilt narrative. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, I wasn't speaking in tongues or right. <laughs> doing, you know, the things that you hear about, but I, I knew. And things I knew changed. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and my life hasn't been the same since. Yeah. So, and it led me here. And it's and here you are doing a church <laughs> right. podcast. Right. Who would have thought? <laughs> have you heard that Paul Rudd bit? bit? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, I so. think it's, a, it's so interesting that to get saved, you, know, you talk about the shame um, part and um, feeling like uh, I this is part of a, a relationship with God is that I want to be in some sense acceptable to God. And, and so you think about, I want to get saved. I want to get my life right or something like that. And it's actually the courage to open up, as you say, and sort of just sort of um, collapse into it, like, and just recognize I need the Lord to do something. And it's just amazing that in that address of the Lord as a reality in front of you that the flood of emotion comes that he is actually there. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell mine real quickly. Um, uh, my parents divorced when I was um, eight years old. And, um, and so uh, as a, a kid, uh, one of the things that was a challenge was just feeling a lot of um, lonesomeness in different ways. Uh, my dad was 
sort of out of he was moved to New Jersey and I was living here in Colorado Springs mm-hmm. and my mom started working a lot and um, it was sort of one of the ways that she made it through that season in her life that was so hard was to go out and find ways to uh, be valued at work and in the city and and um, and so there was a season where um, I had uh, some lonesomeness that I was dealing with and I was invited to a young life and young life meeting and um, I went and someone was talking about Jesus which was a little bit of a surprise to me like I didn't totally realize that it was a Christian event that I was going right. to and um, but a it was fun little party fun little party <laughs> yeah. and uh, we had grown up in going to a church but it was not a church that would talk about Jesus as someone to have a personal relationship with mm-hmm. or talk about uh, sin or getting saved so here's a guy talking about Jesus. I remember he was talking um, from the Gospel of Mark. I can't remember what passage, but I just remember that. And um, and I thought, wow, these people believe that Jesus is part of their life right now. And eventually I went to camp and um, and went to California. I was 12 years old, and um, the speaker was talking about how God made you, God loves you, God wants a relationship with you. The reason that you don't feel that is that your own uh, sin becomes a barrier between you and God's holiness, and but that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you put your faith in him, uh, he rose again from the dead, and you can have eternal life with him. And so they said, go out into a field and uh, sort of process this, this information, this light, and if you want to speak with God, that's a time to speak with God. And so I went out and sat down, and much like you, it was just in the the faith of addressing God as a reality, like speaking to God, mm-hmm. um, that I felt his presence. And then to say, Lord, if you want this life so much that you gave your son for my life, Tim's life, uh, you can have this life, um, and I want to give it to you. And the flood of emotion, like, as you say, laughing and crying at the same time. Right. The flood of emotion. And I knew that I was never alone again, mm-hmm. that the Lord was with me no matter where I was. Uh, he was present to me, and my life belonged to him. And And so the language of getting saved is not so hard for me. Um, but it's it's such an interesting thing that that the courage of it is to lay down your pride. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of strength of it is to admit that you're weak. I'm not sure where I, I heard this phrase, but what's coming to mind right now is let go and let God. And right. I think that's exactly what it is, is just surrendering, you know, the need to be this person who has it all together yeah. to God and then entering into a life of striving. Um, it's it's a beautiful thing once yeah. you discover that. But, you yeah. know, there is a salvation that we need. And you don't fight for it or win it. You gain it by laying down. Right. So saved really is not too strong of a word. Yeah. It's just, you know, what we need to be thinking about. And what I encourage you listeners to be thinking about as we move into our week is, um, you know, how do you approach the idea of salvation to people in your communities when this topic comes up. 
So we'll leave you with this verse, Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And I hope uh, that you can rest in that, that you can find a blessing in that, and maybe help somebody else to see it too. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Light and Life podcast.